It's our final look at 2 Corinthians, and we would invite you to join us as we take a look at the perils of self-deception. That's next here on Truth For Today. How is it the hymnist writes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it to thy courts above. We are prone to wander because we are prone to deception. We're prone to thinking things are easy, and that's just not the case. Paul has some serious warnings for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and that is where we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. For today's broadcast of Truth For Today, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil with today's program. Lowly service was beneath the dignity of a free man, and Jesus is telling them, you want to be great? You got to become a servant. I love what Manson said. In the kingdom of God, service is not a stepping stone to nobility. It is nobility. The only kind of nobility recognized in Christ's kingdom is servanthood. The diatrophies that once the preeminence, the man that has to have strokes and coddled and carried on beds of ease. This is not the Christ model. This is Gentile model. This is a pagan world model. Not the model Christ gave. If you want to be great, you got to become a servant. Then he says something that is absolutely astounding and can insult you. He goes on to say you must become his slave. But before I, I leave this being a servant, I read a line where Gandhi said that his grandfather one time told him, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who take the work and the others who take the credit. Two kinds. Twitel Moody, the famous Billy Graham evangelist of the 1800s, used to hold a pastor's conference north of Chicago. It was in Northfield. And that's where he had his Bible conferences and all that. Of course, he starts Moody Bible Institute. But he's the Billy Graham of the 1800s, goes to Europe. They loved him in England. And, and here was a man, here was a man, was nothing but a shoe salesman. Shoe salesman. And uh, was so good. He, he never knew he could teach the Bible. Uh, he ran a Sunday school in Hell's Kitchen, uh, Chicago. And he paid a man, he rented a bar, and he paid a man to be a Sunday school teacher for ruffian little hoodlums in Chicago. He shows up one week, and this man doesn't show up. So Moody's left to teach the lesson. And God used him so mightily, he never looked back. From that day on, he became a preacher of the gospel when all these ruffian boys knelt as he gave his first Sunday school lesson, and they knelt to receive Christ. But at that Northfield school, he had these pastors from Europe. And uh, uh, one night, he was going around the conference, and he noticed down the hallway 
all the European pastors had put their shoes out down the hall, as was the custom in England. And what they did in England, they had hall servants that polished your shoes. And Moody sees all these shoes. There's no servant designated for this conference. What does he do but gather them all up? Takes them to his room, and he starts polishing shoes into the midnight hour. And all of a sudden, an unexpected friend of his came by, or we would have never known the story. And he asked Moody, what are you doing? He said, I'm being the hall servant for my brothers from Europe. You call that servanthood. Unseen stooping. Then he goes on to say, hey, you must become a slave of God. And it's a Greek word, doulos. And slave really has this meaning. I, I think with African Americans, they could always go back to American slavery. Remember, this term was used of Jesus in Philippians 2. He said, I took on the form of a slave. I'm not talking about American slave. I'm talking about I've become the slave of God's will. He owns me. I volunteer to leave a throne and come to a manger to be a slave to the will of God. And he comes. He said, I'm owned. I'm owned. And that's a good question to ask yourself. Who owns you? Are you owned by God? Now, you aren't owned by God, just fiat. You're owned by God by what the Son of God did. He said, I'm going to ransom you to make you my own. It's going to cost me something to make you my own. But there's two ways to see this word. Servanthood is a horizontal relationship. And we need to get this straight. I'm your servant, but I'm not your slave. Do you get the difference? Maybe you don't. Slave is a vertical relationship. I am a bought man. I'm owned by God. Now that gives you a great internal core value that I'm here as one that will serve, but I'm only owned by one. I'm not owned by the highest donor in this church, and I'm not owned by the elders, and I'm not owned by this one. I'm not owned by some political party. I'm owned by a risen Savior. Only he purchased me. And you too. Are you his man? Do you live as though I'm, I'm the property of deity? He bought the right and bought me out of the slavery of sin and he wants me to live not as, I'm my own man. Oh, get out of here with that stuff. You're your own man to go to hell. When God saves you, you cease to be your own man. You're to become his man, his woman, his young person. I'm owned. I'm bought. I'm not for sale. I have one master. I call him Lord. He's Christ. He's not you, and I'm not your audience. It's an audience of one who owns you. 
Do you exist for his purpose or for your egotistical world? I'm weary of the American Christianity that is as artificial as a $3 bill. That's why you need to read the Gospels and find out how it's supposed to look. Trump ain't my example, honey. And I hadn't found anybody hardly up there that is. I've got to look to the third heaven. And there I've got a nail-scarred Savior that says, I bought you. I am the slave. And this term, by the way, was used by the apostles as they opened their letters. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, and an apostle by the will of God. He put his slavery to Christ before his apostolic office. Before his gift, before his authority, he said, I want you to know, I'm an own man. Wouldn't that be wonderful if everybody around you knew, don't mess with him, somebody else has already purchased him. Young people, don't throw your body to the world and some fly-by-night boy that wants to get you in bed. You say, I already belong to a man, and he told me how to date, told me how to court, told me who to marry. So flake off, Roach. I'm, I'm obedient to Christ. I'm his man. I'm his man. I'm his woman. I've been bought with a price. My body is to glorify Christ. He goes on to say that uh, if you want to be great, you've got to be willing to sacrifice yourself, even as the Son of Man who gave himself to ransom us. Now, if you don't like this model, go tell Jesus. It's not mine. I don't like it myself. I didn't invent it. I don't think you can get anyone to follow. But strange enough, God can so overwhelm you with his love and his grace that you want to follow. That you want to follow. I think of a a song I often quote in my prayer time. It's so old that only I and the Lees know it. When I saw the cleansing fountain open wide for all my sin, I owe the Spirit's wooing when he said, Wilt thou be clean? Here's the verse that always slays me as I pray. Though the way seems straight and narrow, all I claimed was swept away. My ambitions, plans, and wishes At my feet in ashes lay. I will praise him. I will praise him. Have you ever had him slay all your vain ambitions? Have you ever had him evaporate all your plans and all of a sudden says, Lord, I have no plans, no ambitions, but to do your will. You're in charge. All that I've live for up to now in ashes at your feet lay. I offer myself as a living sacrifice. You said you wanted to use my body and I offer it as a living sacrifice. You said in First Peter we've been saved 
to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. I live to give him praise. That's my sacrifice of the fruit of my lips. I will praise him. I I wrestled uh, today when I was praying. And I went down and looked up my concordance. I wanted to look up the word ambition. Ambition is always used negatively except for one place in the New Testament. James said that earthly wisdom is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. So I thought, but I remembered a verse. It was 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Our ambition is to be well-pleasing to the Lord. There is the right ambition. Let me ask you these questions in closing. How do you view yourself? Do you view yourself as one that should be served or one willing to serve? What's, what's your, when you get with people, you say, hey, get to waiting on me. Wait on me. I'm important. I, I'm somebody. Or do you say, when I enter a situation, I'm willing to be of any service God makes possible if I can render it. Two, who owns you? Do you belong solely to yourself, maybe to others, maybe things own you, or to God? Who, who really owns you? If I said, take me to your boss, who would you take me to? Your wife or some employment? Or, or, who? Come on now, don't, don't lie to me. The warriors? Are they your boss? They're winning so much, I'm getting bored watching them. Who's your boss? Who owns you? Somebody does. I'd ask you this. How are you planning to invest the rest of your life? You know, I would say this. We got a lot of folks getting old and dying. And if we just try to be a youth culture, you'll forget all these people in their 60s that are going to hell. You grew up with some of them. Some of them are family. Who's going to reach them before they die? You don't have to be a teeny bopper to reach someone for Christ. How about reaching somebody dying of TB? Somebody in their last days. Jesus can get to looking pretty good when you're on a respirator and you've only got months to live. Are you visiting? My brother David's been driving up to Napa for several years now trying to reach a man in his 80s with Christ. He goes up there for years trying to lead him to Christ. I'd like to say this. The great people in this church are the servants. This church has been built on the back of servants. We're looking at our family life center. We've taken a tour with a pastor that has all kinds of ideas. Our, our family life center is 25 years old. Carpet's wearing out. Paint is needed. Needs a facelift. It's a little dismal. I don't like our children going over there with darkness. I want LED lighting. I want to light the place. See, as adults, we'll scream if we don't like the surroundings. But some of you never go over there, do you? When's the last time you went to family life center? Unless you've got children there or teenagers, who wants to go there? I want to stay over here where we use Lysol. Everything's nice. 
Over there, you're liable to get snake bit. You know, all these teenagers, let the kids have it. Things are run down. This is that. We're saying, we're looking and said, hey, we don't need a coffee house. We need to upgrade our family life center. Get ready. I want to ask you to give us some money pretty soon. You get nervous. I can see you grabbing your wallet right there. I said, no, no, no. You're going to take an offering. Because we want to lift it up. And you know what? We're going through this guy saying, well, you need to change those doors. But it's hard for me because I know how they got stained. Sharon Andrews led a bunch of our women. Her husband came to me and said, Phil, you got to tell Sharon to start staying home. She's staying out of the church too much, working on that project. The electrical was all done by our men. We didn't hire electricians. John Guadalrama and a bunch of our men put it in. The lights up on that stage, Ted Swanson and Paul Howard put up. We didn't bring in any outsiders. Our men did it. We had deacon meetings where we just hung sheetrock for the evening. What bothers me, like in the entrance there, the highest part, they nominated me to go up. I mean, it was a hostile board in those days. They thought, we can afford to lose him. Yeah, one day I wanted to jump in and help unload a bunch of five-inch rock. How many's ever unloaded five-inch sheetrock, 12 feet long? Anybody? You got to be crazy. It's heavy. No pastor should have ever been asked to do that. That's why I've aged before my time. But that building over there was built on sweat labor. Don Sylvester, nearly 80 years old, every day came out, put on his tool belt, work on electrical outlets, this, that, because we didn't want to go in debt, so we just poured. It's the only building we ever had. Everything else was a dump. And we thought, nothing of it. This church has been built on the backs of great people, and they were servants. They weren't prima donnas. They didn't seek honor. They didn't seek wages. They just did it because they loved the Savior who owned them. You know, we're down on staff. I'm the only full-time adult pastor, so if your needs don't get met real quick, get over it. We don't have, David's a volunteer. Anyone else that helps us with adults or volunteers, they're not paid. And I thought, you know what, in a way, it wouldn't hurt if we got rid of everybody and everybody did their gift and there'd be no needs. Everybody would meet the needs because everybody's employed. But when only 20% do 80% of the work, who do you get to do it? Because we're American Christians. We expect. We're consumers. We expect the best. We expect. I want to ask, are you a servant? What do you do in the body of Christ? When did God start owning you? I uh, searched my heart this morning, and I asked myself, what's been your ambition? What is your ambition? And I have to say this. For, for however long I have yet to live, in 1959, in a message on Isaiah 6, who will go for us? A 15-year-old punk from San Pablo said, I'll go. You got me. 
I don't know how to preach. I don't know if I could be pure. I don't know anybody around me that was. But Lord Jesus, I want to spend the rest of my life telling you I love you. And my only ambition has not been money, power, position, a big church. I don't know how this church got this size. It wasn't because of me. I don't know how. I don't know how to make things grow. I want to grow. I want to grow as a man in the Lord. You came because you heard Jesus was in the place. You heard the word would be preached. And that, I must say, until I die, I'm going to preach the Bible. I'm going to preach the Bible. I'm only to do that. My prayer is for you young people, before you make a lot of wrong choices in life, why don't you treat him as Lord now and say, I'm bought. You get me. Here's my life. What age do you have to be to acknowledge that and start living different? And I want to say, thank God for every servant that's done our nursery, our children, our deacons, our repairs, our buildings. You'd be amazed at the, I think about Lyle Bombardier. I see him around here all the time with Scott. What are you doing here, Lyle? I love working here. How much are we paying you? Jesus is the one paying me. What are you doing for the cause? Why don't you get tired of being mediocre? And why don't you sign up to become great? Become a servant? Buy yourself a towel and get busy. We don't have long. We don't have long. Our Father, we want to be like Jesus. There are some people here, they are slaves of sin. They're slaves of a cruel taskmaster called Satan. And they need to be liberated. They need to step out of their darkness into the wonderful light of Jesus. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that does not know you and they want to come to Christ, would you move in their heart and let us pastors after this service and prayer counselors be waiting to say, we're here. We're God's midwives to help deliver the baby. Only God can make you want God. Only God can make you want to let him own you and follow him. Apart from him, the thief comes to kill, to destroy, and to damn. But I have come that you might have eternal life. Turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. Let him become the Lord of your life. You'll never, never have any regrets for all eternity. I pray you'll do this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. 
Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then, as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us, as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. Truth For Today.